0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillahi <laughs> ta'ala, na'hamaduhu, wa nasta'inuhu, wa Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min amalina. واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه one of the greatest blessings and favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bestow upon any individual is the blessing and the favor and the grace of guidance. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plucks us from the depths of misguidance and darkness and He shows us the path and the way to the light of guidance. It is for that reason that each and every single Muslim no less than 17 times a day and night they make the du'a for guidance in Surah Al-Fatiha. When they say, sirat al-mustaqim," Oh Allah, guide us, keep us firm, keep us steadfast upon the straight path. But what we also know is that that guidance is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't earn it in terms of earn it through your through any type of money that you pay. It's not something which someone asks and grants to you. It's not something which you can inherit by way of your lineage or your status, or your position in a family. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us concerning this guidance in the Quran, You don't guide whomsoever you love, but it is Allah who guides whomsoever He chooses and wills, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala putting these two verses before him, he gives the example of two individuals from the lifetime of the Prophet to show to you how guidance is something which is so precious and so important that is something that none of us should ever take for granted. We live in a time now for many of us who were born Muslims, many of us who come from Muslim heritage,s Muslim cultures, many of us who are our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents were Muslims as far as we know. We sometimes and maybe even too often take it for granted. And living in a time in which there are so many trials and tribulations that attack our aqidah and our belief and our sense of iman, it is extremely important to know that just because our parents may have been Muslim, doesn't give us a guarantee of Islam. And just because we are Muslim today, doesn't mean that we will die upon Islam. Or that even if we were to die upon Islam, that our children or our grandchildren or our offspring would necessarily live and die upon that Islam. It is something which is Allah's right to give and He gives it to whomsoever He pleases. To understand that point is something which is extremely important because when you do so, you fear for your iman. When you do so, you don't take it for granted. When you do so, you work hard to preserve the iman within your hearts. Ibn al-Qayyim Taala gives the example of two individuals by which we can see how, how this works. The first of them is the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, Abu Talib. And the second is the illustrious companion, Salman al Farisi radiallahu anhu. Abu Talib, as we know, was the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He knew the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the moment he was born. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam became an orphan, his mother died, his father died, his grandfather died. It is Abu Talib who took him in and sponsored him. Abu Talib honored him. He loved him. He respected him. He treated him closer than any of his own sons. And when the Prophet ﷺ came with the message of Islam, it is Abu Talib, by Allah's permission, who stood in front of all of Quraysh. He protected the Prophet ﷺ and he defended him. And when the Quraysh went to the extremes to which they went, when they went and tried to boycott the Prophet ﷺ socially, politically, economically, and they told him to go and stay in a place that would become known as the Shīb of Abu Talib, Abu Talib joined him. Not because Abu Talib believed in Islam or accepted the message of the Prophet ﷺ, but because of the blood and the kinship that they had. Because of how he would outwardly support him and defend his honor ﷺ. Abu Talib spent the remaining years of his life in defense of his nephew. But on his deathbed when the time came for his death, and the Prophet ﷺ came as is mentioned in the narration in Sahih al-Bukhari, on the authority of Al-Musayyib ibn Hazan the Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam came to his uncle upon his deathbed. And he said to him, Ya am, Qul la ilaha illallah, kalimatan ashadu laka biha الله ta'ala. Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah, a phrase, a sentence, a statement that you will say. And I will use it to defend you in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal. I will intercede on your behalf just by saying that one thing. And Abu Jahl was standing there. And Abdullah ibn Umayyah was standing there. And they said to him, "O oh Abu Talib, Will you forsake the religion of your own father, Abdul Muttalib? And so Abu Talib refused to say, La ilaha illallah. He would die upon the paganism of his father and his forefathers. His closeness to the Prophet ﷺ didn't give him guidance. His love for the Prophet ﷺ, his defense for the Prophet sallallahu didn't grant him guidance. Everything that he offered, that he sacrificed for the Prophet sallallahu didn't grant him guidance in the end. And the second example is the example of Salman al-Farisi radiyallahu An, A man who lived in the middle of the Persian empire, thousands of miles away from Mecca and Medina. Salman al-Farisi in what is collected in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas Salman al-Farisi narrated his story to Ibn Abbas. He said that I was living in the middle of the Persian Empire and he was a fire worshipper, a Magian. And so devoted was he to his religion that he would be from amongst those people who would tend to the fires of his temple. But one day as he was walking, he he crossed or he passed by a church and he heard them worshipping in the church. He heard them reading from the gospel in the church. And so he spent the whole day with them and he realized that their religion was better than the religion that he was upon. Because those people of that time, some of them, they still had their ability to hold on to the best of their ability to the four, to the teachings of, or the, in, to the best way possible, the teachings of the Torah and the Injil. Like Waraqa ibn Nufal in the Medina that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Mecca that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would go to with Khadija radiallahu anha. So Salman said to those people, if I want to learn more about your religion, where do I need to go? They said to him, you must go to Asham." sham So when his father heard about this, he took Salman and he chained him to the house. To stop him from leaving and changing his religion. But when Salman heard that some people had come, a caravan of people from Asham, sham and they were going to return, he escaped. Left his father, left his family, left everything he knew because he was seeking guidance. He arrived in a sham and he met there a priest that he spent time with. And he was impressed by the way that he was trying to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the priest was an old man. And before long he was needy, passing away. So before his death, Salman asked him, where do I go next? I want someone like you, tell me someone else that I can go to. So he said to him, travel to another land, Mosul. There you will find another man similar to me. So Salman after that man's death, he goes and finds another priest. Spend some time with him, but he's also old. And soon, he's also about to die. So he asks him, where do I go next? So he sends him to a third man, in a third land, a place called Nisribin. So he goes there and he spends some time with that third priest. But he's also old. And before long, he's also about to die. So he asks him, where do I go next? He sends him to a fourth land, a fourth place, Ammuriya. So he goes there and he spends some time with the fourth man. But he's also old. And before his death, he says to him, that I don't know of anyone else upon the way that I am upon. The way that I practice my religion, there's no one left like that now. But the time has come for a prophet. And he will find him in a land where there are date palm trees. His signs will be three. Number one, that he doesn't eat from sadaqa; Number two, that he takes gifts if they're gifted to him. And number three, that he has the seal of prophethood between his shoulder blades. So Salman al farisi finds a group of people. He says to them that I will sell to you all that I have. You can take all that I have, all that I possess. Take me to this land in which there are day palm trees. They agree. They take his wealth and they take him to Arabia. But instead of taking him to Medina, which is where he wants to go, but he doesn't know the place and its name, they sell him into slavery instead. Sell him into slavery so he becomes a slave. For a Jewish man far away from Medina. But after some years, the Jewish man happens to have a cousin who lives in Medina, from the Jewish tribes of Medina. And on one occasion when that man comes to visit the master of Salman, he buys Salman radiyallahu from him. And he travels with him to Medina. So in this very long convoluted way, Salman al-Farisi radiyallahu has eventually entered into the city of the Prophet sallallahu And there he hears before long that the Prophet sallallahu has arrived, that is in the place called Quba. So he comes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as a slave. And he says, oh, oh oh, Prophet Allah, oh Muhammad, I've heard that you've come with this religion, that your people and followers are poor. So this is some wealth that I have, it's very little. But I give it to you as charity, take it. He's testing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa according to the three signs that were given to him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa accepted the charity and he gave it to his companions, but he didn't eat from it. Salman so said, that's the first test. After some days and some time had passed, he came again, he's a slave. Doesn't have the luxury to come and go as he pleases. But on a second occasion, he comes to the Prophet ﷺ. And he says, this time I've bought for you a gift. Perhaps you will enjoy this gift because I saw that you didn't eat from the charity. So the Prophet ﷺ took and he ate from the gift and he gave it to his companions. That's the second test. On a third occasion, he came to the Prophet ﷺ whilst he was in the graveyard of Al-Baqir. And he tried to come and see behind the Prophet his shoulder blades to see the seal of prophethood. When the Prophet ﷺ realized what Salman was trying to do, he lowered his robe so that Salman anhu could see. When Salman saw the third of these signs, he accepted Islam. And eventually he would buy his way out of slavery and as we know he would become from the senior of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn al-Qayyim Taala, gives us these two examples because they're extremely important. One, Abu Talib, his proximity, his closeness, his blood relations, his ability to have witnessed many of the early revelations and early incidents that occurred in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ were went enough to grant him iman. And the second is a man who lived hundreds of miles away. Didn't even know the name of the Prophet Didn't know the name of the city that he was going to go to. Had the vaguest of descriptions had to sacrifice his wealth, had to sacrifice his family ties, had to be sold into slavery so that eventually he could come and arrive in Medina and accept Islam. That is in itself a lesson for us to ponder upon and to contemplate upon. The number one, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing, for the blessing of guidance. We repeat that guidance and that ask for guidance each and every single day. But at the same time, we understand the reality. That it is so precious because if the Prophet ﷺ couldn't guide his own uncle, despite everything that he did for Islam and for the Prophet ﷺ, it shows to you that it is not something which is so easily bought, nor is it something which we should take for granted. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grants each and every single one of us, our families, our children, our offspring, the blessing of guidance. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps us steadfast upon that in this life. That Allah Azza wa Jalla allows us to die upon Islam and He resurrects us in the company of the people of Iman. Ba'arakullah wa li wa fil Qur'ani wa sunnah. wa fa'ani wa yakum bima fihihima an alayati wa alhikma. Aku lu ka'ulihada wa staghfirullah ha li wa alakum. Wa li jami al-Muslimin minkulihida min fustaghfiru. Inna ho kana wa Wa salatu wa salam wa ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man Wa salam wa taslim wa kafira amma bad. One of the greatest lessons that we take from the story of Salman radiallahu an is that when a person is sincere in guidance and seeking guidance, has sincerity in wanting to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah عز wa jal blesses that sincerity and he grants them the guidance that they wish for. But look at how much Salman had to sacrifice. He sacrificed his land, he sacrificed his family, he sacrificed traveling from place to place, living in abject poverty until he was sold into slavery. Just so that he could come and understand the meaning of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Every single one of us sitting here today is in a far more, far more easier position than the position of Salman radiallahu anhu. But how we take iman for granted is something which we should think upon. If we don't spend time, we don't make the effort to learn our religion, to learn about Allah subhanahu wa taala, to learn about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, to learn about iman and what strengthens iman, to prepare for that standing on the day of judgment then it is very possible, and none of us knows, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and may Allah save us from this, that He may snatch away the Iman from us. From the signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is that a person wakes up upon Islam, and by evening they've left Islam. Or they meet the evening upon Islam, and by the next morning, they've left this religion. That is how precious it is, but how fragile it also is. And that is why when Umm Salama radiyallahu anha was asked, what is the most common dua that you heard the Prophet ﷺ make? She replied, I would hear him say, Ya مُقَلِّبَ Qulub, thabbit Qalbi Ala دِينِكَ O oh, the turner of the hearts, make my heart steadfast and firm, strong upon your religion. If that is the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, then it is something which we should all reflect upon today. This is a topic that requires a lot of time, a lot of detail. But I wanted to put upon you this point just so that we can contemplate upon it the stories of these two people, Abu Talib and Salman al farsi And the different circumstances that they came from, and one, despite his closeness, his proximity to the Prophet ﷺ, didn't benefit him with iman. And the other one, despite his distance, and despite his strangeness, it is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him and blessed him iman despite of. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this blessed day of Jum'ah that Allah azzawajal bestows upon each and every single one of us guidance. That He keeps us firm and steadfast upon this religion. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to live and die and be resurrected upon Iman. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrects us in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He safeguards us and our families and our children from trials and tribulations. From the trials of doubts in our religion and from the trials of the desires that come and affect our iman. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he protects us from the traps of shaitan, and that Allah azza wa safeguards us from his troops, and from his many soldiers and his armies. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he keeps us firm upon this religion, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon us iman, and bestows upon us love for Allah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun, wa salamun ala al walhamdulillahi This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit org.